This is Ronald Jones, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining us is a guest who should be familiar to many of you. If you're not following him already on your own, you've certainly heard him either on the SiriusXM broadcast or here on the pod, uh, a regular guest, and one of our favorites, man, one of my favorites to talk to. He's Trevor Sycamore. He's from the Draft Network and the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. You can find him on Twitter. I think it's at Tampa Bay Trey. Still at Tampa Bay Trey. Yep. Even, yep. even though even even though you're not in Tampa Bay anymore. Even though I'm not in Tampa. So here's the thing. Look, I will change the Twitter handle as long as I've got somebody on the line from Twitter who has their hand over the button who can re-verify me the second I change my <laughs> handle. Because if I change my handle, I lose verification, and I'm not about to do that. I'm not about to give up the status or work too hard for that bad boy. That 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 verification status, man. That's a that's a that's a grind to have to get that to 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 get that thing done for yes, sure. It's true. It's true. Um, all right. So I want to ask you some about the Bucks. I want to ask you some about the Senior Bowl stuff. I yeah. want to. Um, talk to you about some of this stuff, but just um, before, like, I guess before we even get started, I just want to like, what do you, so you're in Charlotte now. Yes. What, what do you think? Of, like, what do you think of just, I mean, what do you think? What do you think of Charlotte? Why did, why did you move there? I, I, I never got to talk to you about the move. What was the impetus and yeah. what do you think so far? Yeah. So moved here for a significant other. Uh, we were doing long distance dating. Shout out. Uh, okay. there, there are probably a lot of people out there who, whether they wanted to or not may have turned their relationships into a little bit of long-term date or uh, long distance dating during the pandemic. So shout out to everybody out there doing that. But <laughs> I actually moved up to Charlotte right before everything kind of went crazy with the pandemic. I've moved back last January. So I've been up here for about a year now and I love the city Charlotte. I, I really do. I, I have good friends who lived up here even before this. And so it was good to, reconnect with them and be closer to them and everything along with being um, closer to my girlfriend as well. And so Charlotte's a great city. I love it up here. It's fantastic. It's a little colder than what I'm used to as a lifelong Floridian. So I'm definitely getting used to that in a lot of different ways, but uh, it's great. All things considered, of course, uh, the move was good. It was good to be up here. Man, that, speaking of that cold, dude, I'm down here in Texas. We had a snowstorm yesterday. You see, I'm Oh, did you really? You got, oh, yeah, you got right some there. of that? It was like, dude, it was like I, my, my kids run, run outside. They can't – my, my dog didn't even know what to do. Like she's never seen it. It's like she wouldn't step in the snow. I'm like, come on. You, you're covered in fur. You're, 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 you're built for this. <laughs> um, uh, but all right. So cool, man. Um, and Charlotte is definitely a spot where you uh, – does is it, isn't that – doesn't – one of the other Draft Network guys lives there, is it? Joe does. Yeah. Joe, Joe Marino yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. Joe, also, Joe also lives in Charlotte. Do you guys do you guys ever hang out and go grind film together like a well, couple? Of- <laughs> we we have we have not had a film grinding session, but uh, <laughs> I think a big part of that is uh, he got married 
a little over a year ago, I believe. And then he and his wife also just became brand new parents. So he's been living the, uh, the new dad life as well. And so obviously with that and everything with the pandemic where you're not exactly going and seeing people as much as you normally would anyways. I mean, I, I got to see Joe a couple of times before everything shut down up here. So that was great, but I hope I get to see a lot more of him as, as the uh, 2021 year gets ushered in, but uh, yeah, he's living the new dad life. So I think his free time is, is, <laughs> is at a premium right now. All right. Well, great, great things ahead in, in, in 2021. I'm very sure of it. And I'm also very sure that you probably know a lot more about, uh, most of these wide receivers at the senior bowl is, you know, because you, you guys at the draft network, you do such a great job year round, you know, Appreciate watching it, all these guys doing. Yeah, dude. I mean, um, the pr- I'm, 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 I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You can go there and just read, read the content. You can just tell, but like you guys really keep up with these guys in a way that's just hard for us that are in the fantasy space that have to transition to the NFL draft space. Like we have a bunch of catch up to do. And there's a bunch of these guys that I have watched a bunch that I have seen uh, one senior bowler in particular that I've been watching ever since he was like a sophomore and sophomore in high school. But some of these other guys, man, I would just like to get your opinion on. I want to do all that. I also want to talk some bucks with you. Yeah. Maybe let's just, maybe let's just start out with bucks. Cause that's just right on the top of my mind. So cool. uh, do you, what whenever you look at this matchup, I believe it's the Saints, right? It's going to be this. It's going it to is be the Saints. How do you, wh- whenever you think about the, this game, this 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 upcoming div- divisional round game, mm-hmm. what do you think the matchup is that you're most intrigued to see from somebody that's a really, uh, really plugged in guy, just and a big fan of the Bucks? Like what yeah. is like what is a fan of the Bucks? What's the first thing that you think about when you when you think about how these two teams match up? Well, this is gonna be round three of this season, right? Because they played in week one. This was the very first team that Tom Brady played as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it was it, it's a rough game. You know, like that's a rough one to start out with and oh, yeah. the Bucks played pretty well. I mean they didn't come away victorious and that really that game was I guess I'll say the defining line for like how they were going to be right out the gate because it was a lot of new changes. Obviously you're throwing Rob Gronkowski in there as well. Tom Brady's coming on board. So a lot of things are different. Like how much of play calling would go for Brady or the veteran in Bruce Arians or the relatively new guy in Byron Leftwich. And so they're figuring out a lot of different stuff. The defense was a little older with Todd Bull still there again, going into his second year as defense coordinator, of the bucks. And so they came up short against the saints, but the saints were returning a lot of their roster. There's a deep playoff potential team. And so you figure that would probably be the case. It was also in new Orleans. What you were really looking forward to was that second matchup, that second matchup that was in Tampa Bay. Okay. They had already seen them once Brady and the rest of the team. They're now in their groove. They're settled. There was no, remember there was no training camp. There was no preseason. So it was like, that was it. That was the first game action that they had together. And so everybody was really looking forward to that second matchup. And then they got the doors blown off of them 38 to three. I mean, it wasn't even close at any point in time that game. And so that didn't go exactly how you thought it would. But this third matchup is now really interesting because ain't nobody better in the playoffs than Tom Brady. And I'm not like just saying that as somebody whose team now has Tom Brady, but like, you know, of course, going back to his, his Patriot days, there's been nobody better at all in the game of football, the history of it. And I think we saw that last week against Washington Brady had 380 passing yards with two passing touchdowns and should have honestly had 
over 400 yards and four touchdowns had his receivers not let him down constantly throughout the game with dropped passes left and right. And so Brady had a phenomenal game that really goes down as a good game against Washington, but was overshadowed because a lot of the mistakes. And so going into New Orleans, knowing that they lost 38 to three time before, Knowing that he is also right next, his Tom Brady's name and Drew Brees' name, they're one and two oh, yeah. in, in terms of the final NFL stats for a career. They were going back and forth on each other until Brees got hurt when it came to most career passing touchdowns of all time and most passing yards of all time. It's just, it, these are these are the two best who have ever done it. And so these guys going up against each other, you know damn well that Brady is focused as possible and like he is going to bring his A game. Now, Going back to your original question where you said, hey, what's an X factor for this game? It's the Bucks defense versus the Saints offense. And particularly, it's how the Bucks want to deploy their coverages because uncharacteristically, I'll say, Todd Bowles has really been soft in his coverages with his corners. Now, there could be a reason for that. Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy bunting have struggled, I think, a little bit more than people thought that they were going to this year. And so even though like Carlton Davis, I think, has played well, they don't exactly trust those other two guys to play close man coverage, like close press coverage with some of these receivers. So therefore they're having to adjust a lot of what they're doing towards softer zone coverages, which it's given up a lot of stuff underneath. They're giving up a lot of yards. They're making things look way too easy for a lot of different quarterbacks. We saw Taylor Heineke last week when they were playing Washington, carve them up and don't get me wrong. Like he had some dimes. I don't want to take anything away from him, but like, if you play that same kind of coverage against Drew Brees, it's not going to go well. Drew Brees has seen it all before. And so that's really the big matchup to me. Last week, it was Washington's defensive line versus Tampa's offensive line. And I think Tampa's offensive line was really up to the challenge before their right guard, Alex Kappa, got hurt. And Ted Larson came in, and it wasn't so great. And so that's something you got to monitor because the Saints' D-line is also very good. But the big telling point of the game, or matchup of the game, if you will, I think is going to be the Saints' offensive game plan and how they can potentially exploit whatever Todd Bowles is doing as defense coordinator. Because if Todd Bowles continues to be soft and he continues to give this team yards, a team like the Saints is just going to put it up on you. And, and it's going to be a boat race. It's going to be something in the high mid-30s for both teams when it comes down to the end. And so that's really, will Todd Bowles change up what he has been doing for a large majority of the season? I'm not so sure, but we'll see. If they play as soft as they did against Washington, I don't know if Tampa's going to come away victorious. I really don't because the margin for error becomes really low. But if they start to dial out the pressure, get a little bit closer, maybe they give themselves a little bit better of a chance. Todd Bowles, Vin. Todd Bowles is basically right now. I can't believe that he's – I. It, it makes sense. I mean, it feels like he's kind of one of these coaches right now that's sort of coaching as an in, sort of a part of an interview too. He's been sure. – He's been linked to certain head coaching openings. I believe he's actually taken some virtual, some virtual um, interviews. Yeah, with the Falcons, I believe, or at least it was on the schedule that he was right. going to at least go with the uh, interview with the Falcons. So, and, and I'm I'm glad that you talked a little bit about Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean and some of these guys because I was going to ask you about that because at the beginning of the season people were talking mm-hmm. about Carlton Davis like he was going to be the next sort of NFC South enforcer. Yeah type um you know now the guys like uh you know these guys these guys come and go and they're and they go from being more and more effective to less and less effective we've seen like Marshawn Lattimore he's it's been a kind of a roller coaster James Bradbury was like that in Carolina for a little while right right. and it seemed like Carlton Davis was about to sort of step up into that kind of 
uh, into that kind of stratosphere. Did you ever see him as a guy that was going to going to be like a shutdown corner as early as 2020? And if so, have you been disappointed in, in him? Is it just been the scheme? What do you what do you think? Because with because with Jamel Dean, what people always talked about was his ability to get in your hip pocket and, and like and, and and that guy can run with you. Mm-hmm. But Carlton Davis was one that he talked about that could be the that could be the real shutdown sort of enforcer on right. on the other side. Yeah, so I think that there was a lot of hope for him when they drafted him in the second round because they thought that that yeah he plays that physical kind of press coverage where he's he, he loves playing man he loves getting his arms on you he and so like he just loves battling as a corner and and that is something that's a trait that you love to see in a potential CB one and so that's certainly what they drafted him to be now his first year it was rough and and granted. Playing rookie corner in the NFL is so difficult. If you are a starter as a rookie at corner, they they often liken it to drinking water through a fire hose. That's what it's like. It's just like you are trying to take in so much that like there's just there's no possible way. And and a lot of the guys who really succeed as uh, as corners in their first year, they're either lucky or they're just transcendent. You know, even for some of the good guys, that you see them get burned and it takes them a little while to to get their feet wet. And so. It was tough for Carlton his first year because, again, he was a physical style of corner. He got grabby. Uh, he got a lot of penalties thrown against him. He didn't understand the nuance. He didn't understand how to be physical without committing a penalty or letting the other guy get the best of him or losing leverage and things like that. And so it really wasn't until his second year in the league, and I, I, I remember it specifically, it was the game against the Tennessee Titans where I thought that he had a real like coming out party. Like, like I, I am now a CB1. I am on that path, mm-hmm. and I can be that. And I thought that he had a fantastic second half of his season. So going into this year, I... I did. I expected him to ascend to that kind of CB1 level. Now, was he going to be a, an all-pro lockdown guy? I, I didn't know about that. I didn't know exactly how high it would go, but I thought that he was going to have a I am worthy of being the CB1 on this team kind of a season. And I think that for the most part, especially in the first half of the season, he really was. Now, it's been different in the second half of the season, again, because I feel like they're playing defense a little bit differently. They're much more aggressive in the early parts of the season, both in their secondary and in their fronts, and they were successful with it. But I'll tell you, you know, PFF, I love the guys over at PFF and I, I, I love what they do. They had Jamel Dean graded as like one of the best corners in football the, last year. Yep. And, and, I, and before the season. And I, 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 I could have told you like that was not going to come to fruition. <laughs> like he was not going to keep that grade because Jamel Dean, I think really thrived in his first year off of again like i I don't want to say he was lucky but people didn't expect that kind of athleticism from him like yeah he showed it off at the combine and yeah everybody knew he had the speed and everything but like like you said he was in people's hip pocket in his rookie year more than they thought was going to be the case and he was going up against some wide receiver twos and some wide receiver threes so it was a little bit easier for him it's not like he was having the super tough assignments but this year he was they started him off as like a full-time outside guy. And all of a sudden offensive coordinators were like, this guy relies on athleticism above everything else. And he Mm -hmm. still doesn't have it up here. Like he doesn't have the recognition part of the game. He doesn't have those experienced reps under his belt to not fall for double moves or not fall for faking a certain route and going the other way or manipulating guys with your hips or your feet or whatever it is, your hands. Mm -hmm. And so he just started to fall for a lot of stuff. And I, I think that, People expected, like people thought, 
with Carlton Davis's style of corner, how he could be a lockdown man coverage guy as a CB1, and for as high of a grade as PFF gave Jamel Dean last year, and for as much as they liked Sean Murphy Bunting as a nickel player, like they thought, oh, wow, this could potentially be one of the best young secondaries in the NFL. And I still think that they have a lot of talent. It's just not what everyone thought that it was going to be. And again, like I would have... I would have told you to temper your expectations at the beginning of the year. So when you look at this secondary group and you take the safeties included, there's not a single starter on this team that's over the age of 24. Like this is a young secondary. And so I I don't know if Bowles is just not wanting to play man on man, best on best, big on big kind of coverage because he just doesn't trust his young guns to not get beat. Like there were a couple of times earlier in the year where Jamel Dean was getting cooked on double routes. And when I say cooked, I mean like giving up like 50 yard, 60 yard, 40 yard passes. And so you obviously can't have that in the playoffs. (laughs) Like you can't, like if you give that up, there's a chance you'll never get it back. Yeah. So that's kind of where we really are with the Buccaneers. They have talent, but I feel like everyone jumped the shark on them being like them arriving. Like they drafted Antoine Winfield jr. As well. And I loved Antoine Winfield jr. Coming out. I think a lot of people loved Antoine Winfield jr. Coming out and they're like, wow, this is it. You throw those three corners and you got Winfield jr. And this secondary is such a great young secondary. I agree. It's an alluring young secondary, but the word young still means a lot, a lot to those two positions. And so that's kind of where I am with, with the bucks cornerbacks. Fair enough. Uh, and the, the other thing, and, and, and this will transition, this will transition into the senior bowl stuff. Cause this was a senior bowler last year who was hurt, I guess on the first day or either that, or just opted out of the first day. Keyshawn Vaughn. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think about just like Ronald Jones has had a cockamamie season. So is Leonard Fournette. Look, LaShawn McCoy has just had a ridiculously stupid sort of season. I don't even know what he's, what's going on with him there in Tampa, but even so it's like, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn starts out the season there on the COVID list. He's already mm-hmm. behind the eight ball as a new guy in a Tom Brady offense. That's hard to uh, it's hard to gain that dude's hard to gain that dude's trust. It doesn't seem like a rookie coming off of COVID without any OTAs or anything like that was kind of starts out a little bit a little bit rough. Do you think that did you did you like Keyshawn Vaughn coming out? And then what do you think about the statuses of the two runners ahead of him? And the and the idea that maybe Keyshawn Vaughn moving forward could be somebody who they go to in a little bit more of a primary role in, 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 in these years to come. I did like Keyshawn Vaughn coming out. Now, of course, like he wasn't anywhere near the tier of DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers and uh, J.K. Dobbins and Clyde Edwards Lair. Like those guys were far away. I thought potential feature backs, no matter what role that they were in. And so like those dudes were clear tier one way above that next year running back groups. But you know, you've seen it plenty, especially covering fantasy football. It's a running back by committee league in a lot of different ways. And so you get a lot of different guys in here who you could rotate in different situations, whether it's short yardage or goal line or, or third down on passing downs or like whatever it is, guys can come in and have a role. And so I liked Keyshawn Vaughn's fight. Like I loved his attitude as a player. I thought he gave you a lot of effort. I thought he ran really hard behind a offensive line at Vanderbilt that sucked for an offense that sucked. And it's, and so when I watched his college tape and there were a couple of great games, you know, you go back to the bowl game against Baylor, I believe Mm -hmm. was Baylor uh, that that he, that he went off and it's just like, okay, like you like what you see here from him. And so that's, it's funny because I think I had Keyshawn Vaughn as like RB seven, RB eight in that draft. And when you think of the five guys that you have as tier one, 
having him at RB7s, like kind of close to that. So everybody was kind of like, you're out of your mind. There's not nothing special about Keyshawn Vaughn. To me, he was just a guy who had a great attitude about him, ran pissed off a lot. And he was just like a, you know, get him in a good rotation. I think he could give you some healthy carries and some healthy output. And so, you know, when you look at the Bucks situation, you've got Ronald Jones, who's clearly the most talented back, but he's not as great in pass protection. And he struggled with fumbling the football and catching the football. And so you bring in a presence like Leonard Fournette, his former number four overall pick, but he's disappointed from that. LaShawn McCoy was just a pass catcher who they tried to give carries to early on, but I mean, he couldn't, he just couldn't stay on the he, field. And he, keep his he can't work move. There. He can't move. Right. He's just, he's just not the same guy. He, he yeah. just, that's, that's kind of all there is to it. And then they gave some early carries to Keyshawn Vaughn and this past playoff game with Ronald Jones sitting out because of the injury, they gave Keyshawn Vaughn some carries behind Leonard Fournette. And so like he was the next man up and he had a fumble and you know, I, I think that you look at him and he's got a fumble and, it's tough to get out of Arian's doghouse when you fumble as a running back. And so that, that, that kind of sucked to see, but yep. you look, you looked at Vaughn on the, they, they showed a shot of him on the bench after he fumbled and he was like distraught. Like he was, he was like, how could <laughs> this happen to me? Like, how did I fumble the ball in my first ever playoff game? <laughs> and, and my coach is Arians. Oh right. my God. And so, <laughs> so, like, I, I, I think that he will of course get another chance because I don't think, I don't think LaShawn McCoy is going to be on the team next year. I have no idea whether Leonard Fournette's going to be on the team next year. Uh, and so like that, then all of a sudden, like he's either RB two or RB three, depending on what they do at running back there. And so he'll stick around how he'll have his chances. And if he is the guy that I, felt like he was where it's like he has a good mindset he gets pissed off when he fails he doesn't want to let people down he wants to give maximum effort then he's gonna have place a place in this rotation and it could be as high as rb2 the next couple of years all right so let's so let's talk senior bowl quickly here trev before i let Mm -hmm. you let you get out and definitely always appreciate your 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 your, your time here brother i I, I know that you're being super generous with it during a during a busy time in your schedule um I, I I know I didn't tell you that I was going to ask about this, but I, I got to ask about Kyle Trask, mm-hmm. like because I, uh, you know, as somebody who, do, you know, c- plays catch up on college football and generally, sure. you know, maybe catches these guys a game or two out of the season, watches all the bowl games, then goes back and watches the film. The only team that I'll watch every single game of through the whole entire season is the Texas Longhorns. You can ask me about any one of those guys and I'll tell you anything that you need to know about them. Mm-hmm. But I watch Kyle Trask in the bowl game and I say, Jesus, I say, well, you know, this is a bad game. Um, what, what do you think? What can you tell people? What can you tell somebody like me that watched that bowl game of Kyle Trask? What, yeah. what, 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 is, what is your opinion of, of, of Kyle Trask, the, the, the Florida quarterback that will be at the senior bowl? Yeah, so I'll, I'll say this. It is a damn shame that that bowl game happened the way that it did and that that's the final game of Kyle Trask's Gator career because the context of that was he was playing that game without his top four receiving options. Kyle Pitts opted out. Trayvon Grimes opted out. Kadarius Tony opted out. And Jacob Copeland had COVID-19. So yeah. all four of those guys did not play in that bowl game. He was throwing to receivers that he genuinely – probably did not throw to at all during the season. I mean, Justin Shorter, he threw a couple of passes to a couple of the backup tight ends. Sure. But like all of the first string guys did not were were not playing in that game. And so it was brand new. And obviously they were going out against a hyped up Oklahoma team. And so that stunk, but I'll tell you, it was a bad way for him to end his Gator career because I, I think that he gave so much to the university and to the program. And he played so well this season. He was just, 
his stats were unbelievable and what he was able to do and how he was able to execute, but he's not a transcendent pick. You know, like when Kyle Trask was at the top of the passing touchdown and passing yard stats during the college football season, a lot of people asked us at the draft network, they're like, where the heck is Kyle Trask in your mock drafts? Like how, how is he not in the first round? How is he not in the top five? This guy's lighting up college football and he doesn't, he doesn't have the traits. He doesn't have the arm strength. Kyle Trask is a beautiful touch pass thrower. But when it comes to the high demands, which are required of every single NFL quarterback to zip passes in tight windows and throw the ball and stretch it deep down the field, 55, 60 yards, basically at will, whether it's in the pocket or outside of the pocket, Trask doesn't have it. He, he does not have that natural arm strength. I think that Trask could be a nice backup and perhaps a, st- a spot starter at best throughout his career in the NFL. And I really do think that he is so, so good at touch passes, which is so tough to teach. And even for some of the best to get down, he's so good at that. He could have a career, a, a, a decade long career as a backup quarterback in the NFL. He can make a lot of money doing it and he make, he make a great life for himself, but I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I don't think he's a solidified starter. And I just don't, I don't think that he has the arm strength for it because even if he gets into an opportunity where he comes into an NFL team, let's say the quarterback situation isn't solidified or shoot. Let's say, God forbid, somebody in front of him, a franchise quarterback in front of him goes down with an injury and he pops in. Let's say he gets in there for five or six games and he actually plays decently well. He goes three and two, four and two in the record books and he can actually play pretty well. If you were to make that guy a franchise quarterback and if you were to ask defensive coordinators in the NFL the game plan around him and especially his weaknesses every single week, I think he'd eventually let you down. You'd get to a point where It sounds like you get Drew Locke. <laughs> from, well, from last year. Right. well Locke's, di- Locke's different in the sense well, that like he's just different traits. Right, different yeah, traits. like he's just got a rocket arm. But how do I, mm, who's a good guy that I could, that I could like and trash Kyle, Kyle Orton, something like that. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, Kyle Orton obviously had a, had a decent successful career as a, as a starter, but like, he's one of those guys. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll liken him to, how about this? Tyrod Taylor, not, not, this isn't a comp. I'm not saying trade wise, <laughs> but I'm saying get like yeah. career yeah. situation where Tyrod Taylor has been on a number of different football teams, whether it was the Browns or the chargers or the bills or whoever, and just like always, you would go, yeah, I mean, I like Tyrod, but you're always looking for that upgrade over him. That's like the peak for Kyle Trask is, is a, people would go like, yeah, I like Kyle Trask. But in the back of your mind, if you get a high pick in the draft, you're probably going to look at quarterback. If you have an option to go get a, a, a star who hits free agency, you're probably going to do it. And that's something that I can't stand drafting a quarterback high that I know I'm going to want to replace at some point when it comes to like the near future over the next couple of years. And so that's the big thing for Kyle Trask. I know it took way longer on answering that than possible, but uh, he was fun. He's got great touch. You're going to watch him and it is super easy to fall in love with him because he throws touch passes better than a lot of quarterbacks that you even see in the NFL. But he just, he just doesn't have the juice in the arm. He really doesn't. Gardner Minshew had 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 great touch and great stats at the college level too, and he's the kind, he's the kind of guy that could play well for you in spurts. But I, I do love to hear from you. And just quickly, man, I know that I want to ask you about some of these senior bullsers, and, mm-hmm. and we're up against it. But you mentioned Pitts, and mm-hmm. I have watched some of that guy. And you know, if you're worried about Kyle Trask not being a franchise guy for you, I think that I personally am very impressed with Pitts. Uh, I'd like to know what you what you think of him, though, having having watched yeah. him the the whole time the uh, no. the, the tight end out of Florida. 
the tight Pitts, Pitts is fantastic. I mean, he, he really is. Uh, whether you consider him a big receiver, whether you consider him an X, whether you, you consider him a guy who could go in line, whether you would consider him an X. I mean, like there, there will absolutely be offensive coordinators in the NFL who will give him snaps at X. Yes. Like, I, I think that that is going to be the case. I really, <laughs> I really do. There's going to be, as long as it's a creative offensive coordinator, that's not where he's going to line up fully, nor should it be. I mean, like, he is a potential mismatch nightmare when it comes to playing in line, playing mm-hmm. off the line of scrimmage, and getting to go up against certain mismatch safeties or linebackers, things like that. That's by far the best place to use him. But when it comes to, like, a red zone look, or if you're going empty, like, you could absolutely, maybe the, the, the top of the triangle, in a uh, in, in a bunch formation, like you can absolutely have Kyle Pitts play an X role. Like I, I think that you could you could throw him out there for some X reps in, in in certain games. And so he's he's just so versatile. He's so good in the air. He's so good at separating when it comes to a lot of those coverages against linebackers. He's great at attacking the seam. He's great at getting vertical, and he's really nice at yards after the catch as well. So he's tight end one, e- easy. And um, yeah, it's he's going to be a really great NFL player. A lot of people say Darren Waller. I love that comp. I, I mean, like it's tired at this point for a lot of people who've been firing the draft, following the draft. But for those who haven't yet, think about what Darren Waller's been able to do with the Raiders. That's kind of the the, the vision for Kyle Pitts. Uh, yeah, without um, hopefully without all the it, all the personal issues and then falling off the wagon and having to change positions and <laughs> having to do everything to clean up his life and Reason, have everything Reason else. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then uh, but all right. So let me ask you about Kadarius Tony, mm-hmm. the uh, the the wide receiver there from from Florida. It looks like um, from what I've watched so far. I mean, I think he's one of I think coming into the Senior Bowl, he'll be one of my favorites of the group that I've watched. Are you are you a fan of his? And how do you compare him? Obviously, the other guy uh, at the Senior Bowl, Trevon Grimes, more mm-hmm. ta- kind of taller, yeah, a little bit, little bit less, pr- little bit less productive, but kind of taller, more kind of meat on the bones. How were those two guys de- deployed? And if if you could give us a, a, qu- a quick scouting report on 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 each of them, there are few athletes who have ever existed that move the way Kadarius Tony moves. It just like doesn't really make sense. If you just throw a throw on any highlight and within 60 seconds, you'll be like, how does this guy still have like ligaments in his knees? Like, I don't know. I don't understand. It's it's so strange. People go tackle him and look, we throw out the Alvin Kamara balance comp way too much because Alvin Kamara is truly rare with balance. But this dude does not go down and he, he is reminiscent of some of those crazy Alvin Kamara plays that you saw at Tennessee and then with the New Orleans Saints as well. And so they'll use him as, you know, it's kind of gadgety, you know, he, they could use him as a Z, they could use him as a slot, they can use him out of the backfield. And so, They'll use him at a lot of different spots. He's a kick returner and a punt returner as well. He's just an electric player. He really is. A lot of people say Percy Harvin. I hate comparing anybody to Percy Harvin just because like Percy Harvin was such a rare athlete. But he kind of looks like him. (laughs) I mean, he wears number one and he's super electric with the ball in his hands. And so I get it. I I just as as a uh, as a someone who watches a lot of Florida football, I just I, I I never like putting Percy on somebody's name because that's almost like too much hype to live up to. Right, right. People love Percy so much, and then Trayvon Grimes, he's more of a traditional wide receiver, highly talented recruit, came over from Ohio State, actually transferred over from Ohio State, and I thought he would have broken out a little bit more at Florida, but he's really talented. He's a talented kid, and so he's a player who you could watch. You, I mean, he's probably going to be like a mid round pick as a wide receiver, but he's a guy that you watch out for. That you know, if he starts having a great career and his his first or second year you go okay yeah now i can see it you could see where the roots of that would have been both at florida and ohio state 
I got to ask you, uh, I'm going to ask you about one more and then I'm going to ask you who out of, out of the wide receivers of the ones we've talked about, who is your mm-hmm. favorite going into it. But I got to ask about Tylen Wallace. Sure. Um, I've been, I've, I have trouble coming up with a comp for Tylen because it feels yeah. like he plays a little bit. He plays a little bit bigger to me than he's listed at 185. I think he's probably going to weigh in at more than, more than that. I, I would think, but he just has this, um, Man, he had he had he has some dog in him, and he's also and he's also very very, uh, just uh, very smooth. You know, mm-hmm. he's it's kind of it's kind of a weird combination, man, to have that dog and be a, and, and and be smooth, yeah, and be able to and, and to and to be able to kind of sit sit in those zones and, and find those spots. What do you think of Tylen Wallace? Are you a fan? And uh, what do you? Do I do. I, yeah, no, I, I love him. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but no, like I, I love him. I've, I've loved Tyron Wallace since his sophomore year. And I thought that he was going to come out as a junior, but then he had the injury. And so comes back, wasn't sure if he was going to be the same guy. He's, he's, he's getting more comfortable and he, he's keeping some of that explosiveness. And that's been good to see. He's, he's had a really great career at Oklahoma state. And when you talk about those like smaller wide receivers, I mean, Steve Smith's the first one that pops into your mind. I mean, mm-hmm. Steve Smith had a lot of strength to him, but it's that same thing. He was, Steve Smith was about the same height as Tyron Wallace. I think, um, yeah depending on what Tyler Wallace comes in at. I think Steve Smith was about buck 85, buck 90. And so I, I'm not sure. If, I think Ty, he, he, he outweighs Tylen a little bit, but he had some more strength to his game anyways. And so it's just those two dudes who are smaller wide receivers who have that mentality, that big dog mentality, if you will. And so, you know, it's not a total traits comp, but you know, that's, that's, that's what Tylen would go for. You know, that's what Tyler would want to be. He'd want to have the kind of career that Steve Smith had as that sort of a player. And so Tylen's a guy who, he can go to it anytime. You can get the ball in his hand early. You could use him as a deep down the field guy. He's really great in his all in all of his routes. He's super nuanced as a player. He's not like the most explosive guy laterally, but I think that he is plenty smooth in what he does. And he understands the position so well. I really do. I, I am such a big fan of his. Yeah, I, and it's 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 funny because I'm doing my write up on him right now for over on the side, and my my initial comp I came up with was Steve Smith. So it's like I mean, all right. that, that seems like it's probably the easy chalk. Not to steal your of, thunder, then the the chalk kind of comp. I I also had another Steve, like maybe just a dash of Stevie Johnson. Um, to, sure. to, yeah. to, to, yeah. to his game. All right. So uh, again, this is Trevor Sycamore. You can find him on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. Please guys, if you, if you like this kind of talk, you can hear it basically every day of the week, along with our other friend, Benjamin Solak on the locked on NFL draft podcast. Of course, you can find his content over at draft network. All right, Trev, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, one wide receiver that we haven't talked about. That's going to be at the senior bowl that everybody needs to be ready for that you think could have a big week. I I'll give you two. I'll give you a bonus. I'm interested to see Cornell Powell because the wide receiver from Clemson, because he really did come out of nowhere this year. Right. I mean, it was just like out of nowhere. He just kind of became wide receiver one for them in a lot of different games. And so he's very interesting He's a super strong player in the air. And I, I just think that he, him, in a different environment going up against different corners with this wide receiver group. I'm very interested to see if he can separate himself and come out of the week and be like, yeah, this dude had a great week because I think he has the potential to, but the guy I'm really looking forward to shy Smith from South Carolina. I love my wide receivers in my corners who carry a little bit of attitude to them, you know, yeah, a little bit does. of a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. And Shy Smith is one of those dudes. He's got attitude. He's got confidence. He's got swagger, whatever you want to call it. 
and that always brings out the best in both him and his competition. It's it's fun to see those matchups. South Carolina has had some terrible quarterback play over the last couple of years, and yet this year, Shai Smith was able to really stand out and have one of his best seasons. And so he's definitely a player, like I said, in a new environment when it comes to different kinds of cornerbacks, different kinds of coaching, uh, different wide receivers around you. I'm looking to see how he stands out because he's got that alpha in him, and I, I think that there's a chance that you're talking about him after Senior Bowl week. 